Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Becker-Holstein, and I have with me my companion in the crime of trying to make you happy during the pandemic, Debbie Stoltz Higgins. <laughs> and, and we are here to give you a good time. We want you to sit back and relax and take time to just have fun with memories and uh, maybe some silly things we're going to bring up to for you that'll get you away from uh, the news and uh, your mask and whatever else. So uh, we've had we've created a nice agenda. We actually even tried to design it in three parts today. So um, yeah. Debbie, so let me just say, Barb, we're going to do like we we talked about this. And just for our audience, it's great that we're going to kind of put it in three segments tonight. And we're going to have stories, and we're going to have reminiscences, and then we're going to ask each other a question that we do not know what that question is to patch Ooh, up the card. Yeah. And then we're going to have to answer it. So we'll try yes. to get colorful, succinct answers. So, um, sorry we got on a little late tonight. We had a couple of technical difficulties, but now we're pretty squared away. Um, I haven't cleaned up the back of my room. Look at that. Woo woo. So that's pretty cool. Um, so where do you want to start, Barb? Where do you well, want to, I, I think first? why don't we start with a couple of stories and um, see where we go from there. And I, I, I think everyone will get quite a kick out of my violin stories. Story. There's only one story worth repeating. All the other stories. Uh, my mother used to say, "Please close the door, Barbara, if you're practicing." So, uh, now, Barbara, uh, <laughs> these the embarrassing childhood stories we're going to yes, tell. Yes, okay, yes. So we're going to tell an embarrassing childhood. Yes, story for both of us. And uh, so, I'm going to start with my violin embarrassing story. It's pretty short, but it's not sweet. So I was taking private violin lessons and I would go to Mr. Master's house and he had a room set off for his students. And he kept encouraging me that I was making progress, which I'm not sure was really true. Uh, and he wanted me to take a particular piece of music, like a page of a concerto and practice it. And then he was going to invite my mother to come and hear me play. So all of this took place maybe over two months of practice, and the day finally came. My mother brought me over, and then he escorted her to the visitor's chair to listen to my music. And um, I knew my mother wasn't crazy about me playing the violin, but I certainly saw her as a loving, true to, a loving mother doing all the right things. So when she started to laugh hysterically, I didn't really know what was going on. And it really threw me, although I, I tried to perform. She never quite stopped laughing during the whole thing. And I was kind of devastated. So when it was over, Mr. Masters, he was just a wonderful gentleman, very refined, a very good teacher. You know, he complimented me. He thanked my mother for coming. And as we walked out, I said to my mother, why did you keep laughing? And she said, well, 
you have a piece of toilet paper hanging between your legs and it kept swaying as you were doing your, <laughs> you know, you were I'm going. embarrassed for you. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I, I didn't feel right interrupting you. And obviously Mr. Master ignored it, but I couldn't control myself. And so that was the story of my little concert. And, um, that's my first story from my childhood. It didn't leave any real damaged feelings. My mother was so sweet and loved me so much. It really became one of the, the jokes of my growing up. So what do you have to say? Well, first of all, I didn't, I, I kind of knew this story, but I'm answering our listeners as we're talking because they are trying to get on and see us and they don't know where to look. So I said, shared universe podcast. And um, this is ridiculous that I have a phone call coming in. <laughs> I'm going to cut it off. And also, also I think it's, on, it's yeah. on Barbara, your page live as well? Yes, it should be on Barbara Becker Holstein live. And, and your shared universe podcast and Debbie Stores Higgins, hopefully. So anyway, yes. I'm letting them know. Okay, so toilet paper. Well, when you said that, that put something in my mind that I have held and was embarrassed. They say, no, it's not on. They're texting me, no, it's not on. They can't see it. Okay. Uh, right. You should be also live from the A Shared Universe YouTube page. So that if go tell people to check that out because I'm getting everything is good on my end. Okay, let me just text them. YouTube.com. Shared Universe YouTube page as well. Okay, so here's my story. Okay, sorry everybody, but we have to do we do have to be responsive to our listeners. Um, I was little, I guess I was about five years old. Is everybody there? Because I don't see anybody. Um, Barbara? I'm here okay. up in the corner. Right. Um, <laughs> and I was about five years old and I was invited to a birthday party. And believe it or not, when I was little, I was very shy. Because I was sent away to school and I didn't have any friends in the town I was raised in. But I got invited to this big birthday party. And as you know, back in the 50s, they were party dresses and hats mm -hmm. and pretty cakes. And it was all like, you know, an idyllic leave it to beaver thing. And, so and I, you, yeah, you got so, your little cup of something to take home, a plastic <laughs> cup, you know, filled with candy and stuff, too. Right. So um, I went over to the house and everybody was enjoying everything and I had to go to the bathroom. So, you know, I'm still this way. I don't like to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, when I'm talking about it, I don't want to be gross artic, but I'd rather be home for a certain number that you do. So I went <laughs> away from the party and I went in the bathroom and I went to the bathroom and I thought that I had latched the door. But I guess I didn't. And all of a sudden, the door flung open. And it was one of the boys I knew. And boys to me were like, you know, jungle animals, because I went to an all-girl, like, parochial school. And everybody saw me sitting on the toilet bowl, oh. pants down around my anklets with my little, <laughs> you know, my little frilly anklets. And I was mortified. So they slammed the door. And I stayed in there for the whole party until I heard, and of course these are big houses, so there were other bathrooms, 
But I stayed in there till I heard all the children's voices die down and they must have gone out to play pin the tail and the donkey or something. And I snuck back to my family home and I didn't come out. I, I was just mortified. So that was my story and I'll never, and then years later, I know the guy whose house I went to, I'm not gonna say his name is Jerry. And I said to Jerry, Jerry, do you remember that? Oh my God, I've carried it with me my whole life. He goes, Deb, I don't even remember that. Are you kidding me? And I'm so, you know, I mean, this is what, when you're little, this is the things that scar you for life, but other people don't even remember them, you know? Uh, let me give you another short bathroom story that just popped into my head that I don't think could happen in this country today. And that was bathrooms when you went to the circus, which came to town. So the circus had come to Bridgeport and I was six or seven. And I remember uh, holding a type of doll that was on a stick. And um, she had a name like Pee Wee doll or something. I can't remember the exact name, but everybody who was young had to have one of those dolls. Anyway, when we went into the bathroom, what the bathroom was, was probably a big tent set up. And then there was a big circle of made out of wood, a round circle with about 10 holes in it. And women and their daughters would use this all at the same time. No, you know, no door at all. And um, it was, uh, you know, just that's what you did. You sat on this wooden thing that had holes and there'd be nine or 10 other women and kids on the other holes. And that was it. And no, you know, I can't imagine that being the setup today. Was that in Bridgeport? Yes. It oh, was some how? Yeah. It yeah. sounds like Europe. When I went to Greece, there was a, just a hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, and when you're a girl, I mean, we're really getting into the nitty gritty. But how <laughs> are you going to go to the bathroom when you have, you know, we're not, we don't have what a man has capacity-wise. <laughs> And not soil yourself, you know? Right, That's right. Very difficult, you know? Excuse me. Uh, I keep hearing like a ring of noise. People, it's people uh, texting me saying they can't get on, but they finally got on to YouTube and, and they're seeing it. That's okay, what fine. it is. They're texting me to tell me they can't get on. So that's, and, I'm putting the phone over to the side. All right. So if nobody's on now, they're, okay. hopefully they're on. So um, can you think of any other embarrassing little tidbit from when you were a kid? Well, I can think of one from a teen, my teenage years that uh, I'm going to have to leave uh, part of it out uh, because we're being very, you know, it's a little strange, but it certainly shows how naive a young person can be. I took a ballet lesson in New York City and uh, there was a fellow watching the class who actually was a good dancer. And uh, he was from Italy, he was kind of interesting. Okay, so we kind of ended up walking toward his business, which was a coin uh, shop. And then I went home to Norwalk and I came back maybe a week later for another class. And he had said to me, oh, I had said to him, well, I've got a whole bunch of coins from my grandfather that he took with him out of Europe. And I was totally naive. I didn't notice that his face brightened or anything. I'm just being 
you know, natural and a good sport. And I said, if I bring these coins in, maybe you could evaluate them and tell me if any are valuable. So he said, sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I bring them in and we go to his shop and he pulls down the curtain to say it's closed. And um, I have to admit that he did very little examining of the coins, and I had a bit of trouble getting out of there. But I did, and I never saw him again. But in the very moments that I was leaving, he casually mentioned that he was married uh, to a lovely wife in Italy anyway. And so that's my story. I mean, it was just totally naivete from the beginning till the end. And um, I felt sort of sad and humiliated a, a little bit because my grandfather had already passed away. He would have been really upset for me to just take that box of coins and never, you know, just let them disappear into the atmosphere. Even if none of them were really worth anything, they should have stayed in the family. So it was really basically a lesson in getting smarter. I can't say that I, I, I really had any kind of naive times. Um, I, I, I did get in a couple of situations, but I saw them well before they happened. And I think it was because, you know, I was raised with super slick New York parents and I was always around adults. And my parents never treated me like a child, like I had said in a previous show. Even when I got my working papers, I went to work at the racetrack. I mean, what parents did you do that? <laughs> and I actually, um, you know, had great parents and a great foundation. And um, so I, I always was pretty savvy about stuff, you know? I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I had great parents, but I just think um, I tend to, uh, well, I'll tell you a story in my adult life. When I was a school psychologist, for many years, I worked in a local town, and uh, my boss, uh, I was testing kids, and then there's, you know, like a supervisor, head of special ed and stuff. And I remember him once saying, Barbara, you always look at things sunny side up, and if you got the poison apple from the queen, you would wash it off and never even know it had been poisoned. So... There you you go. know, yeah, well, all well, right. right. So, um, we did promise our viewers last time that we were going to talk about the past and reminisce. So, why don't we segue into our candy segment? Because people were really looking forward to that. Yes. And if you want to start, because I've got tons to say about it. So, if you want to talk <laughs> about, um, especially regionally, you know, uh, you were in Connecticut. Yes. These weren't as, you know, homogenized back then as they are now. So there might have been things. First of all, what was your favorite candy bar when you were a kid? I think it was a plain old Hershey candy bar. And the thought of a s'more would make me swoon, right. you know. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite? My favorite, and it still is, and my friend just bought me a case of them last Christmas, was Zagnut. And most people don't know what is that. No, I don't know what that is. Okay. I don't like chocolate, even though I'll eat it. But it is a white chocolate 
over top a Butterfinger covered in coconut. A Zagmar. Wow. And the funny thing about it, I was watching this show and I'll recommend it for people. Although I think it's on Amazon Prime, but you have to pay. It's James Franco's um, movie that he made called 11-22-63 about him going back in time and trying to stop the Kennedy assass assassination. And when he gets back there, the guy is buying a Zagnut bar. And I went, yes, Zagnut. There they are. <laughs> They're very hard to get. Um, but, you know, I was very lucky being around Asbury Park, which had beautiful candy stores on the boardwalk. And um, there was a famous one called Criterion Candies, which people, right now they're over in Eatontown on a side street, but I guess they still make it because they're open. Um, and I had a thing called a haystack, which was a big mound of coconut that looked like a haystack out in a field. And it was all covered with molasses. And no one, wow. no one, no one in the universe remembers that, except Mr. Karagias, who owned Criterion. I went up to him and I said, how come, how can I get a haystack? And he said, oh my God, you're the only one who remembers that. I can't remember anything that happened like two days ago, but I can remember when I was a kid. And he said, we had to make those in giant batches, big mixers. And that's why, you know, nobody makes them anymore, so. Well, I'll tell you two brief stories. One is uh, my family uh, loved Chinese food. And, and I guess who's ever been in my life, we've always enjoyed it. So when I lived in Boston, we'd go to Chinatown there. And they always served at the end of the meal the most delicious, uh, like a jelly candy rolled in sesame seeds. And it was just the perfect balance when you finish that kind of salty, thirsty type of food, the Chinese food. And for years, I would look forward to it. And then we went and whoever had been making it either died or retired and we were told it's unavailable. And I have never been able to taste it, find even something close to it. I've never seen anything like that. That's yeah. Yeah, and it was just in the Chinese restaurants. But the happiest candy story from my youth happened with my mother. My mother was a part of the women's group if your husband was a dean or a professor at the University of Bridgeport. It was her turn to bring a major part of the dessert. And everyone knew that Bernice Becker made great fudge. Okay. And fudge is a delicious candy. Nice. So I'm hanging around the kitchen, I'm six or seven, and you know, I'm waiting to scrape the bowl, the whole thing. And my mom is just getting more and more upset. And she's saying, something's wrong with the temperature. With fudge, you have to get a certain temperature. And if you're not within those, that minute or two, it can fail, right. you know. And she lost, she just couldn't do it. She missed the moment. She didn't have time to start a new batch. And it was five pounds. That's probably crazy. It couldn't have been five pounds. Anyway, it was a gigantic amount that fit in a big, big bowl. And she said, well, I guess, Babsy, you know, it's never going to turn into fudge like where you can cut it. It's going to stay more like a um, fudge sauce. She said, but I'll put it in the refrigerator 
and it's yours, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not at once, but you, you know, she said, I don't think daddy or I really like it that way, but you know, and it took me about a month, but I did eat the whole thing bit by bit. And uh, it's a very sweet story. So, Well, I'm going to go through some of these that I remember. Yeah. And our audience might know them. And um, I, we had a five and dime in Allenhurst. And I would save my dollar allowance that I got a week and go down and get candy. One thing was a candy necklace. And they were on like, um, they, they, they were terrible tasting things, really. But it like candy, very hard. They were on a little uh, elastic rope and you'd pick it up, put it in your mouth, chew on them. And you'd have all the slime around your neck and the elastic would be all like looping and, and totally crazy. Um, also, jujubes. Do you remember jujubes? Oh, yes. Tiny and little things. Wonderful. And they till they in your teeth. And until they well, sometimes they pulled on a uh, filling. Right, but when we were little, we didn't have filling, so yeah. that was a great thing. Remember chiclets? Oh yes, and 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 a fruit striped gum, which I loved. Which oh, it had the zebra and the orange was the tiger, and and all the all the different things. Now they also still make blackjack, and they also make. Tea I like candy. that. I like right. those gums, and you can buy yes. them, but they're very, you know. Of course, we mentioned Zagnut. Um, we were talking the other day, Barbara, about Bazooka. Bazooka Bubblegum yeah. had the little comic. I don't know if it still does, but you could always, and this went for cereal and candy, you could send away for things like to yeah. be a club or a beanie hat or some ridiculous thing that would, and you play with it for hours and it was like a stupid anything, <laughs> you know? Or a little disc or a ring, a fake ring made yeah, out of ring. plastic. But um, also how about lips and juice bottles, which are wonderful. Yeah. How, how about this one? I'm going to imitate it and you can see if you can guess. Okay. I, this was my favorite. The candy cigarette. <laughs> and remember remember the peanuts that looked like peanuts but they were like spongy and you bit into them and they could be banana flavored remember those? i don't remember those but i remember was it jack in the box the popcorn that had a little present inside cracker jacks yeah I think, I think they still might i'm not sure but um another thing is everything tasted better and it really did because these candies that are made in the United States now have a lot of stuff thrown in. We're in Europe. They're made under different names, and um, but they, they're more pure. Now, mm -hmm. one thing I loved when I was a kid was a Chunky. And chunky oh, well, Chunkies were the chunky best. Unbelievable. And they don't taste the same. They no, don't. they don't. And even, I don't think peanut butter cups even taste the no, same. No, they do not taste the same, no. And, you know, all these other newfangled, there was one when I was about, I guess about nine or 10 was a thousand, hundred thousand dollar bar. Oh yeah. That was a good Yeah, one. that was good. Right. And then the competitor of the Hershey bar was what? Um, Nestle. It was a, yeah, and they Nestle. weren't bad. It wasn't yeah. bad. But even Nestle's crunch bars don't taste the same. No, no. They used to no. have a crackle in them. Yeah. used to really crackle. And, um, when you went around on Halloween, oh, oh. 
what was the one candy that you would not share that when you got home with your pile, you would take it and say, okay, this is mine, you know, and which, well, I didn't have any competition because I was an only child till I was 17. And all I clearly remember is walking with a, with giant paper bags. Nobody had fancy bags in those days. And then taking the bag, turning it upside down, and it took up like four feet in the living room as I spread things out, you know? Wonderful. And they always had cartoons on, like Halloween cartoons or a, a kind of a a kind of scary movie, but it really wasn't scary. So you could get your candy and you could look at it and you could <laughs> put it in your piles. And I loved, I loved almond joys too. Oh, I oh they were good oh, my because God. they had real almonds on the top. Yes, it was great. And uh, so, you know, the, uh, back to the show about the JFK thing, he goes back in time and he goes to diners and he goes to stores and everything he puts in his mouth, he's eating it mindlessly. And he goes, oh, my God, taste this thing, because it was 1963 when everything was pure back then. And uh, yeah. But on the other hand, if you think about dinner and supper and things like that, it was my standard meal growing up was something like my mother would open a can of peas or carrots or something. She would cut a wedge of lettuce from, uh, you know, the whole ball, ball yeah. lettuce and then we would have some sort of meat or fish and there really was no fresh product in the meal that had any substance because that round lettuce has less in it than even spinach or you know many other things but people didn't know in that day and we always had a little dessert which very often was like a can of peaches got opened remember junket <laughs> Do you remember? Yep. Oh, yeah. I love chocolate. Oh, my God. I love it. I can feel well, it I right now. Wrote, I want to oh. right now. I loved it. Oh, let's get some junket. It was great. And oh, I love I, the you know, sensation. I know we didn't talk about talking about this, but breakfast was so different. Um, yep. I mean, we ate and there were there were things that my, my mother was a really great cook and I'm and she passed away in January. I'm going through all her self-made cookbooks. She probably has 30 or 40 she's made herself, cutting out recipes from magazines. But I remember we would eat Spam for breakfast and scrum. Mm -hmm. And cornmeal mush, she'd make cornmeal mush and then we'd slice it and we'd fry it with maple syrup. Oh my God, it was, I still make all that. Yeah, stuff. my mother yeah. used to make French toast and eggs and all sorts of things, pancakes. But typically the morning, that was Saturday and Sunday, the five days of the week. I think a lot of it is similar, you know, a bowl of cereal, two pieces of, or two pieces of toast, that kind of thing. And I had a glass of orange juice and a glass of milk every day. And I can't tolerate either one now. And you remember this, I, I remember some of the cereals that I loved that aren't in existence anymore. Yeah. Oat flakes. I used to eat the whole box yeah. on Saturday and that's gone. But So um, you, yeah. you're reminding me of another story from childhood. Uh, I hope it's not a repeat, but um, my neck went out of place. I had a freak accident 
where I woke up in the bones in my neck. Now, today, I probably would have <clears throat> had to have an imaging and all, <clears throat> all sorts of things and scared my parents after death, you know, that I was dying. But in those days, I went to the doctor. My mother took me to the doctor and then to the hospital. They gave me gas. And um, the doctor manipulated my neck without an X. Well, maybe there was a superficial X-ray, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. He manipulated it. And when I woke up, it was back in place. But I had to wear a neck brace for a while. But just as I woke up, I was very involved in a dream. And I was part of the crowd around Snap, Crackle, and Pop. They, that was a serial. Yeah. And they had, they had all come to life like in a cartoon when I was under the gas. I know. That's nuts. You know? Interesting. When we were talking about the old time stuff, um, we were also, and I don't know if you want to talk about it tonight or on the next show, we were thinking of the old department stores. You want to save that for the next show? Well, we could... um, it depends. I, I mean, tonight, um, I don't even know what time we started because I think we could do a, about 25 after. Eight. Yeah, I think we could do five minutes on the department stores. OK, um, you know. All right. Well, since we were, again, demographically from two separate places, um, things weren't as they are. We're Home Depot's in every, you know. Oh, the, no. You know, right. Mosquitoes, I, whatever. Um, so down here just on a very small basis for people that were in Monmouth County forever, we had one of the best toy stores in the world in Little Silver called Little Silver Mike's. And it was kind of like the FAO Schwartz of Monmouth County. They were beautiful, elegant, incredible, one-of-a-kind um, gifts. And then the kind of, and I hate to say the lower rent, but kind of the, on the lesser end was Frank and Betty's in Neptune. And um, and then besides that, as far as toys go, well, I was very lucky because my parents did most of my shopping at FAO Schwartz in New York because they both worked there. But people went to two guys from Harrison and Montgomery Ward and bought toys there. And that's where we did a lot of our shopping. We didn't have all this stuff. And then as far as the home scene went, Caldor and Rickles were wonderful because you could go in and be a complete dummy and find something there. Whereas now you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and unless you really know what you're doing, you, it's hard to find what you need if you don't know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So I was yeah. thinking of them. I was thinking of um, uh, pretty much those to Abraham and Strauss. Um you know, there, what, what stores can you think of? Well, I wasn't around here. I was in New Haven. And my first experience of a department store was Mally's in New Haven. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous building, probably built like 1910, maybe even 1890. It was so beautiful with cut. The wood was, um, you know, decorated and, and in all sorts of ways. And uh, what I remember was being excited. If I was going to Mally's with my mom, it was good. It was good. I'd certainly get a little toy or something. But the two things that really stand out 
Well, one thing in Mally's was the elevators. The uh -huh. elevators were like from a gorgeous mansion. You know, the, the wrought iron, all the um, the work in the, the inner door. The, the inner door, yes. And they were... They were very big. They were tremendous. And also then the, well, then, then there was the outer door and the people who ran the elevators wore the most distinguished uniforms like they were generals in an army that, and they were very polite and careful. And anyway, I guess this prompted my mind somehow. So when I was about four and a half getting ready to think about school, I had a dream, not about Mally's per se, but the elevator. And in the dream, the elevator was my first classroom and all the desks were set up in the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> you have a lot of vivid, crazy dreams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. Then, when, then when I moved to Bridgeport, uh, there was Reeds and I'm, I'm blocking on the other name. They were a, really a step down, but they were nice. And Reed's had a lovely counter to get food. You'd sit like almost it was a diner, but it was right in the restaurant. And, um, you know, everybody loved doing this. And my mother loved taking me there and we'd eat lunch. And the big thing with this place was after we moved to Norwalk, we went back there once and we were eating lunch. And across from me was the boy who was my I was in love with in the fourth grade on, who has appeared in several of my books and different films. And um, I could hardly swallow or, you know, <laughs> even keep steady sitting on the stool. I was so excited. And he said something at the end like, bye, see ya. <laughs> no, I didn't. But it's like, those were golden words, you know? Oh, yeah, I know. As if the you were president. You were misses in your notebook after that. <laughs> right, right. So, shall we go on now to our secret part of the show? Well, I wanted to say one more okay. thing. Okay, sure. One more thing about department stores, because I forgot the two rival department stores were Steinbach's in Asbury Park and Vogel's in Long Branch. And Steinbach's used to have Bell's. And when they wanted a certain person, like in lingerie, they'd have four bells, you'd hear. <laughs> so they would be calling. And my grandmother worked there for a bit. And even after she was gone, we would go to the store and shop. And she'd hear her call button, even though somebody knew about it. And she was like a Pavlov dog. She was ready to go to work. So, yeah, that, that they were great stores. And um, I don't know. I got to get in the time machine again. All right. Yeah. So we're going to ask our excruciating question of the night and um all right so who wants to go first <laughs> <laughs> all right not, not me <laughs> but I, if well, you want to ask me i'll i'll go okay I'll go. okay this is one um how is your current life different from what you imagined <laughs> when you were a child and how is it the same? Well, first of all, I was going to ask you the same thing, but uh, we'll yeah. go from there. <laughs> anyway, um, well, that's such a, a brilliant, interesting question. When I was very, very little, I was sure I was going to be a pediatrician when I grew up. 
Mm-hmm. And then when I was 10 or so, I was sure I was going to be an actress when I grew up. And then when I was uh, in high school, I don't know what I thought I would be, but I was writing very sad poetry. And um, in college, I majored in philosophy because I was looking for the secret of life and uh, didn't quite find it. And I remember my parents were on the phone with me when I was a senior. And um, they said, my father said, what are you going to do with a major in philosophy? And I really couldn't answer. And he said, "Um, you know, we're not going to really support you after you graduate, maybe for some further study of some sort. But even that we'll have to discuss. You know, he made a very formal like get your bearings, kid. So um, I became a teacher. And um, that was fine. But I knew it wasn't the end of the road. So I don't think I had a clear picture. I desperately wanted to fall in love and marry and have a family and have a lot of animals. And um, I couldn't even imagine not marrying and having an, you know, a family life. And when my girlfriend at 22 gave me a birthday card and it said 22 and all is blue, I knew exactly what she meant because I didn't have a boyfriend and I wasn't engaged, you know? So I think considering the time that I grew up in, we're, Everything was very stratified and clearly women, you know, even though my father said to me once when I was six, you could be president. Everybody knew that the best thing that could happen to you was marriage simplistically, so simplistically. And of course, you know, I have been able to be married to a wonderful guy and I'm thankful about that and two grown children. but. My capacities to struggle to help women develop and understand what's necessary for people to feel good about themselves and have self-esteem, I have been really blessed to cut a niche um, that kept me from despair because I think a lot of the standard roles would not have worked for me. And one of the reasons I knew Russell was a good partner well, I guessed, and I was right, was his mother was a big shot in charity. Now, she didn't earn an income, but she was worldwide known in the Jewish charity. Wow. And I figured if, you know, if he grew up in that atmosphere, we probably could manage. That was smart thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So I, can, I thought that's smart in my life, but I, I don't think Can I ask you the same question or shall I find another one? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want. Um, Let's uh, let me ask you the same one. And then if we want to spend a minute or two, we'll jump around. Um, Well, my life is 100% different than I ever thought it would be. Um, I was, I'm probably the most romantic um, male (laughs) (laughs) woman in the world. Um, I, you know, I, always wanted to be in love like the grand guignol of romance and um, married and 
You know, uh, I wanted a lot of animals. I'm always an animal maniac. And I thought I would be wildly in love. I didn't even think about making an income because I wasn't raised that way by my parents. My father, mm-hmm. thought, you know, okay, go to school for fun if you want. If you don't want to go, great. I thought I'd be a big Broadway star. I was kind of on my way a little bit, but love got in the way and I didn't want to <laughs> while I was traipsing all over the universe. Uh, and then, you know, I was very, very lucky for a time period, but um, my husband passed away, which he was the love of my life. And um, I haven't been able to re- reproduce that. But um, I always wanted a house too, to decorate. I never wanted to be home. I wanted my own place. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, from the time I was making any money, I was collecting and seeing a painting or a statue or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I love beautiful art to look at it and have it and procure it. And I'm the type of person that I'll move into a house and I'll decorate it and it'll stay that way until I move out of that house. I don't get tired of things. I Mm -hmm. I love them more and more. So, um, and I still love the same music. I love the same things. I love, I didn't outgrow any of, I guess I'm very immature down deep, but you know, I'm a rocker. Um, I love classical, but everything I loved when I was a kid, I still love. And so that's like my answer, I guess. Kind of well, we're not, we're not really very far apart. You know, you've been to my house and you see we've collected yeah. things and we don't move them around. You know, we just love oh, our things. And, um, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting because I think some of what you're saying, we were both influenced by when we were born and what we saw around us. But I think we did major leaps to go beyond the standard. Yeah. We both have had dreams and been able to rise above. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, when I think about the pandemic and so many times I'll get momentarily kind of a little lower to, it's not really depressed. It's more like a malaise. You know, I don't feel like cleaning up or anything or brushing my teeth. It's that kind of thing. You know, like my girlfriend, one of my college friends, we were talking and she said, I knew that I'm kind of in a rut when I opened the refrigerator and a fly flew out. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's no fly. (laughs) Everybody has this sort of momentary or a more than momentary malaise that we're fighting because schedules are off and but anyway what cheers me up is when I can get back to my feeling that I I have something that I want to share I want to build up as many people as I can and I want to help people see how marvelous they are not in some you know like some people talk and can't really believe them but yeah. what, you know, I like to find something that's really great about the person and help them see it. Right. Well, you've kind of, you know, I had a dream and you kind of became it. I think one of my problems in life was I loved, I have so many passions that I do them all. I'm a jack of all trades. Yeah. None. I'm all over the place. But I've had so many passions and I've explored all of them and, and rather successfully, I guess, in a way. Um, but, you know. That's what I've done. So should we ask another question? A little one. Yeah, if you can find. Here's a little short one. Where, where, either a physical location or a place in your mind, did you love going to as a child? 
I think it's it. Oh, okay. This is a good one. Yeah. Just drop drop my thing out of my ear. Okay. This is a good one. I loved going to where uh, little Lulu lived in her in the comic book where she had um, a, a little boyfriend. I don't remember his name, but Sluggo or no, that was a different one. Little yeah, Lulu. Nancy had Sluggo. Yeah, little Lulu had Witch Hazel, and Witch Hazel was scary. And never till like a month ago did I realize it how funny it was that somebody chose Witch Hazel. <laughs> yeah. What a way to come up with a name. But yeah. I I loved where uh, little Lulu lived, and I also loved where Lucille Ball lived, and I love Lucy, and I wanted to be in both of those universes. Okay. Um, what about me, you? I loved, and I still do, I loved the woods. I am a wood nymph. I uh, took my horses. I rode on trails in the woods. I love to walk in the woods. I, I love people, love the beach. I mean, we do too. You know, Barbara, we love the beach. We love our mm -hmm. club. But at the same time, I get peace in the woods. I just do. And um, there's just something about it. I think it's because when I was a child, my grandmother had a big farm in Middletown. And she used to take us in and show us the fairy rings and where ghosts were, and where the Snow Queen would come out. And she had all these fantastic stories about the woods. And we had a brook behind the house that had a cold spring in it. And it was getting very warm in the winter, in the summer. But you could put your toe in this one part, in a little hole. And it was a cold spring. And you could put your foot in there, and it was icy cold. So it was kind of magical. And she made, my grandmother was a wonderful person on my mother's side. She made the woods magic for me. So I love the woods. Well, I'll, I'll just add that my grandmother made music magical for me. She had an old uh, Victrola that you actually wound to get going and tons of classical music and opera. And um, that was beautiful. She offered a lot to me. So I think we've come to the end of this show. Wear them out. We don't want to wear our own. Yeah, no, out. we don't want them to say, ah, enough. But we'd love <laughs> to hear, we'd love to hear your ideas. And um, you can, re you know how to, everyone who knows Debbie knows how to reach her um, at, on Facebook, Debbie Sto Stotes Higgins. Stores. Stores Higgins. Stores. And uh, me, Barbara Becker Holstein. And we'll we'll pick up on any ideas you send us. Yeah, and we'll be, you know, back. We, we do a show every other week. And we're thinking all the time. So, you know, of what to talk about in the past. Um, maybe we'll pick restaurants, too. And oh, that would be fun. And the thing that I want to ask you next time, and you're going to think about it, or I should spring it on you. I always ask people, before you get electrocuted, what would be your last meal? Oh, I God. That. So think about that. Oh, God. And I'll get you next time. <laughs> All right. Okay. Like that, but uh, restaurants, too. And we can also talk about, I think, another thing, famous celebrities that were in our area or lived in our area. Um, I was lucky, very lucky to have a lot of celebrities in the shore area where I lived and um, people that came to my parents' house, which was pretty neat. So let's let's have yeah, that yeah. an idea for next time. Okay, we will. Oh, all right. So good. 
let's say goodbye for now. And if you don't know what to think about, think of happy memories and funny memories and maybe and try to share them with someone who will give you a good laugh. You both laugh. You'll sleep better that night. And everybody go out and eat some candy. <laughs> find candy from the past. And yes. have a wonderful evening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Good night. Everybody. Bye. Good night. Bye.